0: Radio begins in 3, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have... Finding out your story,
1: where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live to their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Tom Frio.
2: Toxic masculinity. It's all the. Hold on. Gotta look at the Chicago record. Oh, for humanity. Film 11. To your regularly scheduled content for a message from mark tadlock you say what's a mark tadlock i say he is the grand poobah i'm pretty certain that's his title the grand poobah of the masters academy international I had to share this with you because it is so encouraging particularly if you were one of the many wretches who helped us send ten thousand macarthur study bibles to the philippines you should be encouraged from the airport in manila the grand
3: poobah himself. hey todd this is mark i'm here with eric in the philippines we just had an amazing day yesterday where we were able to announce and present the macarthur study bibles to the church there in manila uh higher rock church they're going to receive about 500 of the bibles for their own congregation i wish you could have seen the place they erupted in applause with gratitude, but they're also gonna take 2000 Bibles and distribute that out through the network of pastors that are being trained by the Expositors Academy, which is our school here. But you know, we were down in Davao also, uh, which is in the Southern Island of Mindanao. And we had the chance to hear their vision for reaching out, not just in their city, but also to um, second and third dialect people in mountainous regions and and, uh, further reaching parts of the island. And we asked him about translating resources and things like that. And he said that the pastor there said that the the pastors actually speak multiple dialects, but they prefer to get something in English. And so there's an opportunity for these Bibles to really go far and wide. And of course, these pastors have nothing by way of a resource to help them in preparing their sermons. So these Bibles raised by your wretched audience are going to open up doors for training and assisting pastors in a far broader swath of uh, locations across the islands of the Philippines so I just want to say thanks for all you do to support the ministry at TMAI and uh, we're flying home right now with our hearts full of gratitude for your ministry for you yourself and what you're doing
2: how encouraging is that Perhaps it was a big deal financially. Maybe it wasn't much to send a Bible, a MacArthur Study Bible, to the Philippines. But look at what it's accomplishing. The congregation erupted in applause. Don't know if you've ever seen the video. Um, uh, uh, c- me, me, uh, my, huh? No, I didn't suddenly start speaking in tongues. It was uh, the thing. Th- 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 Jimmy, you know what I'm talking about, of course. I don't need to explain it any further. Yeah. It, is, it is when they brought Bibles in the language of the people on, in an island where people, they put on their finest grass skirts uh, to meet the airplane that flew in, landed on grass, to bring them the Bible in their native tongue. They were dancing and praising God that finally they had a Bible in their own language. That's what you've done in the Philippines. So well done, wretches, for supporting our partnership with the Master's Academy International. Please note, if you would like to help us actually pay for all 10,000 of them, we're just a wee bit short at the moment. (laughs) So if you would like to help with then what we're going to be discussing next with the Master's Academy, is where else could we be doing this could we go to another nation by the way the macarthur study bible it's translated into different languages so we would get them printed in the language of the people and distribute them who knows where but if you'd like to help us if you will take care of everything for the philippines you can do so at retcha.org bible slash bible Hey, got to title, right? oh, <laughs> Film 11. Back to Toxic Masculinity. Nancy Piercy has a new book out. She's always worth a read. Uh, she is an academic to be certain, and yet she's a popularizer. She has the ability to bring it down, which is why I appreciate her. She's got a brand new book that deals with the subject of... Uh, The Toxic War on Masculinity, and she goes about the business of explaining the historical forces that pushed men out of the house and has lessened their position, status, and authority. Now, if you've read her book, Total Truth, you'll recall, and actually, I think we shared it here on Wretched Radio we march through the history. And so some of this sounds like somewhat familiar territory, but then she dives into the current milieu, the, the mix of toxic masculinity. So some of this might seem a little bit familiar, but it's a great reminder that the dynamic that we have in Western civilization today regarding families, that it is perhaps not the biblical ideal. The biblical idea we think in our 21st century context is dad marches off to work, mom stays home and raises the kids. And we, in our context, say that's the best. And for the most part in our context, that is the best. But that doesn't mean it's the ideal. Because prior to this modern era, this was not the family dynamic at all from the review from... This is the reviewer Louis Marcos of Nancy Piercy's new book. Before the Civil War, writes Piercy, 90% of American freemen owned their own farm shop or small craft workshop. In other words, dads worked from home. Often, the living space was in one part of the house with an office, workshop, or store in another part. Life in the 13 colonies was characterized by an integration of life and labor. Think Proverbs 31. Doesn't this suddenly illuminate it and, and make it? So, yeah, no wonder why she's doing all those things and then she's going off and selling a field. It's because the family stayed in business to survive together. In other words, there were stay-at-home dads and at work moms all at the same shop or farm or office life in the 13 colonies characterized by an integration of life and labor husband and wife were engaged in a common enter- ent- enterprise not identical tasks but same goal they worked side by side suffering common defeats rejoicing in common victories a husband-slash-father was the head of this small commonwealth, a semi-independent economic unit that often included members of the extended family. So relatives, apprentices, servants, hired hands, farm laborers, boarders, and in the South, slaves. Although I do think we need to remember there were some slaves in the North. Not nearly, to the extent that it was in the South, but there were... it. Hens weren't totally clean, especially northeast. I digress. The head of this patriarchal unit, economic unit, this Christian oikos, Greek word for house or household, it was the father. He was not, as he would increasingly become after the Industrial Revolution, a distant breadwinner who went off to work in a factory or business and left the running of the domestic sphere to his wife. He was involved intimately in every aspect of the household. He was doing devotions. He would take on the lion's share of the spiritual education of his children. He was a family man. The colonial age, literature on parenting, such as sermons and childbearing manuals, typically address fathers instead of mothers. But that changed after the Industrial Revolution because men had to leave home to go make a living. Women then stayed home and they had to do everything. Now, please note, the man, whatever it was that was his industry, uh, he had a co-laborer in his spouse, and she, all different variations and mixtures of this, but she worked in the family business, so did the kids. You did what you had to do together. And I wonder, because that is how we have seen societies basically set up, up until the industrial revolution, we'll call it 1780. That was the dynamic. Back to the review, social forces culminated in two political movements that Piercy allows us to see from a new perspective, women's suffrage and temperance. Women of the time were opposed to the suffrage. Most women were opposed to the suffrage movement. And it's not because they were lazy or uneducated, but quote, because they understood clearly that universal suffrage implied a shift from the household to the individual as the basic unit of society rather than the family being the federal head representing the family with his voting values we all became independent voices and there was concern about that it struck a blow to the concept of male responsibility if society accepted that a man voted as solely as an individual it no longer held him morally responsible for representing the common good of the entire household. So the result were to let off, men off the hook and allowed them to indulge in their base and selfish desires. That's the history of the family, specifically the dynamic between husband and wife We will continue our toxic masculinity history so that you and I can know how to speak to a world that seems to hate men. This is Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine then we'll let Paul Washer convince you.
1: It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we
3: can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ advances as the word of God advances.
2: Would you please consider joining the Masters Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today, and I hope you understand just how much we appreciate you for tuning in and listening on a daily basis. We really seriously do appreciate you, and we understand that we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do here at Wretched if it weren't for you. We hear from so many of you on a daily basis, and I got to say, the appetite that you have for the Word is downright inspiring. It inspires us to want to reach more people all over the world. The world with the gospel, so we can help to get more people in the same place you are, with a large, hefty appetite for the word of God. And we need your help to do that. We would love for you to consider partnering with us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. All of the questions that you might have about this can be answered right now just by visiting wretched.org/slash/donate or texting the word wretched to the number four four three two one. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
2: Five hundred dollars per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit medishare.com/wretched, medishare.com/wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at eight four four three four bible, eight four four three four bible, eight four four three four bible.
0: Important dates in Christian history. Henry VIII's Act of Supremacy makes the king, not the pope, head of the Church of England. While Henry's concerns were largely political, his Archbishop, Thomas Cranmer, worked to mold the Anglican Church into a thoroughly Protestant church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: That's so fast, world. This is Wretched Radio. Have you heard? Evangelicals, they're just like the pagans when it comes to the... Divorce rate. Christians are no better than unbelievers. They do. Half of them are divorced. Bang, bang, bang goes the narrative drum. Is it true? No, but if you repeat it often enough, then it actually seems to become the truth. I mean, it doesn't actually become the truth, but people esteem it as the truth. Nancy Piercy, she's written a new book. It's titled The Toxic War on Masculinity, and it appears some of the book wisely retreads some of the ground that she's tilled before regarding the history of men as husbands, as fathers, as the leaders of households, and that was the dynamic that existed for millennia, but the industrial revolution changed it. Men went out, they became independent. It was no longer considered a family unit. He was the breadwinner. She was the child bearer and raiser and pretty much near the twain shall meet. Man, we've been struggling to figure that out, haven't we? But maybe just maybe and i you can do with this whatever you can that's that's not the ideal that it's a family dynamic now i get it you could there's arguments to be made and the advancements that have been made and the amount of enjoyments this life is a lot easier than it used to be i get it industry has helped that technology has help that. By the way, speaking of technology, would you do me a wee little bit of a favor? Would like for you to ponder something. As you know, AI, it's all the rage. It's invading everything. Pastors are writing their sermons with it. There are that German Lutheran church where the, the AI chat bot led the service. I was reading one where they want uh, where I think in Singapore, they already tested this, to have robots, AI robots, take care of people in a nursing home. And okay, I get that, but we really do need to be having some rather existential conversations about like humanity and anthropology. Really? The AI robot in Singapore, apparently, you know, would play checkers with, it's like, Okay, so we think that elderly people who are confined to a nursing home are content because they're playing checkers, but they're, what they're overlooking is, with whom are they participating in this activity? A robot, and it's, it just ain't the same. It's not as good. What checker, I mean, I guess there are some people who are like, checkers, 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 but it's really about a face-to-face experience where you sit and you chat and you talk and you interact, and it's just a little bit of a distraction. It fills in the lulls. You get some laughs because you made a boneheaded move. A robot doesn't provide that. And now AI can be used for, in fact, hold on. I'm really digressing. There was, ah, ha, ha. This is a this is an this is a headline from religion news. Christian creators are designing chatbots with a biblical worldview. No, they're designing chatbots with their biblical worldview because they have to be programmed. And this comes out in this article that that this one wants Bible Mate to give politically neutral responses on social issues where Christians don't see eye to eye, claiming Jesus wasn't a Democrat or a Republican. So what answer are you going to get? This young man's answer. You're not going to get the Bible answer. You're going to get this person's answer. You're not getting AI. You're, you're getting somebody's filter interpreted for you. Here's another one. I wanted to be able to ask my pastor some very personal questions. How should Christians think about divorce? How do we love our LGBTQ neighbors? Questions I would be a little bit shy to ask in person. Now we can do that because it's read hundreds of hours of sermons. No, it can't because the pastor is a praying man. AI is not. A pastor can ask questions that AI would never consider. An AI can never understand emotions, family dynamics. Only a human can do that. And so we're going to now be forced to deal with the AI questions. And here's the one I would like for you to help me with. We are preparing a video. I've come up with 10 pros, best I could, and 10 cons of why we should or shouldn't worship with music written by a chatbot in other words thumbs up thumbs down on ai worship please send me an email stating why you think we should or shouldn't even if you don't by the way something that i know many struggle with myself included um i i can think about the other person's argument without actually affirming it so if you got a pro or a con or both of those things, send them so that the video will be better. Thank you. Thank you very much. Back to Nancy Piercy and to- toxic masculinity, the divorce statistic. We are told Christians ain't no better than pagans. Nancy Piercy. She says, um, no. She actually quotes reliable sociological studies. They're wrong and deceptive. If evangelical means someone who identifies as such on surveys, then the fact is true. But a distinction is made between nominal evangelicals and evangelicals who attend church and live under the authority of Christ. And then the truth emerges. So are false convert evangelicals divorcing at a same level? Why wouldn't they? They're pagans. I mean, I know they carry the moniker Christian, but if they're a false convert, they're not actually uh, Christian. Those people who are actually plugged in, they don't listen to this this is this this is this just demonstrates again, Christianity is good for people, all people, but perhaps, especially women and children. why? Because men are going to dominate in a culture where they are not restrained or informed by a source outside of themselves that is superior, stronger, bigger, better well the the worst the worst elements of the word patriarchy are going to emerge compared to secular men devout christian family men who attend church regularly are more loving husbands and more engaged fathers they have the lowest rate of divorce oh astonishingly they have the lowest rate of domestic violence of any major group in america Nominal Christian men have the highest rates of divorce and domestic violence, even higher than secular men. So the secularist who says, well, you know, Christians get divorced at the same rate. No, actually, false convert Christians, get they get divorced more. They're more violent at home. It is those who are committed to Christ, those who submit to his headship, they're the bestest. Nice to know that. From the article, it explodes the claims made by feminists, secular media, that evangelical notions of complementary headship and submission are a breeding ground for violence against women. Just the opposite. Nancy Piercy, many nominal men hang around the fringes of the Christian world just enough to hear the language of headship and submission, but not enough to learn the biblical meaning of those terms. But those who do Report the highest rates of happiness among American women and their children. I'm trying to recall, I think it was Rick Thomas that I read this said that if a man is genuinely seeking to be Christ like and he's genuinely seeking to love, protect, honor, serve his wife, there isn't a woman, and this isn't flippant, in her right mind who would want to divorce that. No, if she did, she wouldn't be in her right mind. You're acting like Jesus Christ. You, you you can't have a better husband than Christ or one who is seeking to imitate him. And that's what the sociologists actually affirm. Further, church-going dads are least likely to yell at their children, most likely to be warm and affectionate. And they spend more time in activities with their children, like eating meals, reading to them, playing games, coaching sports, attending school activities, leading a church youth group. They spend at least three and a half hours per week more with their kids compared to secular folks. Did you know those statistics? Were you aware that actual Christian men are good for women and children? Perhaps, maybe, the next time that you find yourself getting mm, mm, battery-acided, that's right. That's what I came up with. That's what my brain was capable of. Like somebody just throws battery acid on you. Uh, uh, Christians, they're no better and they're violent. No, no, they're not. And it it would be an opportunity, wouldn't it, to explain true and false converts? Jesus said there's a lot of people who will proclaim, Lord, Lord, but they really don't know him. And guess what? I'll even, I'll even up the ante on you, my secularist friend. They actually are worse fathers than pagans. A, not a hoot. But those who are born again, those who attend church, those who submit to the authority of God and his word, they're the best, absolutely, positively, undeniably, no argument, the best. Will that persuade them? Eh, eh, probably not. The best way to help people get rid of their attitude that all oh, men are toxic by nature, you guessed it. Regeneration. This is Wretched Radio.
1: it's now time for a wretched news break here on wretched radio i'm jimmy hicks well we kick off with a little bit of encouraging news in the entertainment world the christian entertainment world because that's the only segment of entertainment that can actually be encouraging anyway great american family will be releasing an original mystery movie following its merger with pure Flix. That's right, Great American Family Network has merged with the faith-based streaming platform PureFlix, and to celebrate their merger, they're releasing a mystery movie, because who doesn't love a good mystery? But the merger actually points to a rising demand for wholesome entertainment that doesn't compromise Christian values, and there is a rising demand for wholesome family entertainment. There really is. We shift gears now to the state of Texas, where the Baptist Convention there has recently adopted a statement that encourages the affirmation of female ministers and leaders in the church. One Texas pastor, who I won't mention by name, said in a text message of this statement, quote, "...it respects autonomy and diversity in all of the things I wanted on this issue." And look, I used to be Southern Baptist, I get it to a point, autonomy is one of the biggest bailiwicks of the SBC. Each church is independent and free to govern themselves, but while you might be independent of direct oversight of a larger governance, church is never independent of the direct and clear teaching of the Word of God, and Scripture is very clear on this issue. The role of pastor or elder is reserved for men. It's not an issue of value or worth, but it's rather a matter of God's design for the roles of men and women in the church. Let's be praying for our brothers and sisters in the Texas Baptist Convention. Meanwhile, in Pakistan, a recent report uncovers that a Christian's been charged with blasphemy under the country's terrorism laws which is unusual on multiple fronts because first, they already have blasphemy laws in place. And also, blasphemy and terrorism aren't the two different categories of law? Anyway, it's a case that's grabbing a lot of attention right now currently on Pakistan's misuse of the blasphemy laws and now their terrorism laws, which really have only been used to target religious minorities, specifically Christians, in the country. As we tell you so frequently, please continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. Back here in the US, President Joe Biden has been flexing his veto power against a bill that was aimed to overturn the Military Abortion Tourism Policy. Which is basically like him saying, hey all of you people overseas, if you really want to experience America, how about having an abortion on Uncle Sam? Speaking of which, a Christian nurse has made the Biden administration agree to a conscience clause which allows doctors and nurses to opt out of performing abortions. So it appears like the Hippocratic Oath still matters to some people in some places that's been today's wretched news break more wretched radio is straight ahead i'm jimmy hicks
0: books of the bible Nahum, whose name means the lord comforts brought a message of comfort to god's people and a prophecy against nineveh nineveh was a powerful city but they were no match for god He punished them severely for their wickedness. When you see evil or attempted towards evil, remember that there are only two possible outcomes, repentance or destruction. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yes,
2: much of this is speculative, but hopefully it's sanctified speculation. This is Wretched Radio, no doubt you know. There is an increase, a whopping increase in the number of people who claim to be depressed, suicidal, they're lonely. Why? Let's take a look and see how our culture is currently operating. And maybe just maybe we could start to point a finger at the source of so much depression and anxiety. Could one of the reasons be that women have been told you can be perfectly happy without a man? And you can be totally content without being a mother. Ew. Is it possible that is why we see so many women who are willing to take psychotropic medicine to feel better? I'm speculating, but I think it's a reasonable question. What about the worldview message that said, the world system message that says, go ahead, be frisky with anybody that you want. Is it, what's the name of the 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 thing where you go to find, like, just the hookup culture? The, the oh,
1: thing. Um, uh, if you wouldn't ask me, I could tell you. I think it's
2: good. Neither one of us knows this off the tip of our <laughs> what tongue. Is it? What I mean, is it? Is it Tinder? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Uh, use it. You, hook up. Use it. Maybe, just maybe, they are feeling what the Bible says you're going to feel because no sin causes so much misery on the inside as sexual sin. You're uniting your body with another body in a one flesh experience that is quite euphoric, and it is intended to draw the two together to be one. And it's theological, it's procreative, and the world says, no, it's not, just do it because it's fun then maybe, just maybe, they're having to find some sort of dulling mechanism to help them get through what the world system has forced on them. The world isn't nice. The world says it's got all of the answers. It lies. It's it's just always lying. Why? Because the world system is written and led by the father of lies. So of course people are going to feel rotten when they listen, they obey the world, and then suddenly they find themselves feeling horrible. Perhaps maybe, just maybe, abortion is another reason so many women are hurting on the inside. They did it. They can't escape what they feel because they've taken the life of their child. One wonders if that might be why we see such a staggering percentage of women and men too, by the way, but we're just talking about the ladies right now, of medication that dulls one's emotions. Maybe, just maybe, too, the world system has lied to women regarding abortion, and it's caused them to be downright angry Very interesting article from Paula Reinhart. Why are women so angry about abortion laws? And she has a picture of a protest that is going on. All right, with brilliant signs like no uterus, no opinion. Because remember, you need that organ in order to make a moral judgment, apparently, according to this sign. Here's one don't okay uh this one's too crude oh here's another one um uh basically it says um well it drops the f-bomb let's just leave it at that shall we and you look at their faces and you see it they're they're absolutely angry filling streets protesting so the question that paula reinhardt raises what accounts for the level of panic and rage we see on their faces she says the argument about rights doesn't go far enough they would say well it's our rights are being taken away that doesn't explain so much anger because this is deep so she dives into what she describes as a terrible social contract that's what a society has It's either a good contract or a bad contract, but it's always got a contract, even if it's in transition. Here's what she writes. Contraception and abortion were supposed to be tickets to a liberated life. Women could pursue their career goals and sleep with anybody they chose to sleep with. And you will have come a long way, baby. But smart, talented women who are handed the reins to the firm in their 20s often wake up in their 30s tired, exhausted. Alone, men have come and gone. Intimacy without consequences has ironically made it harder for many women to have what they say they want. Marriage and family. Don't be deceived. It's cooked into the DNA of women, woven into the fabric of their being to be mothers. It's, it's a part of what makes a woman a woman. It's a terrible social contract. In order to be with a man, you must conform to his sexual desires and pretend to enjoy it. If you complain, plenty of other women who will take your place. Sex doesn't have to lead to marriage or even an exclusive relationship. A woman can fritter away her best years of fertility waiting for a guy to man up to a real commitment. If she gets pregnant, that's her problem. Question, who wouldn't be angry? The world system lies, lies lies and the result is always going to be misery mary eberstadt says quote the revolution effectively democratized sexual predation no longer to be a predator no longer did one have to be a king or master of the universe to abuse or harass women in unrelenting serial fashion one only needed a world in which women would be assumed to use contraception with abortion as a backup plan. Hey, you're taking away what I need to do what I've been told is gonna make me happy. From the article, the anger behind limiting abortion reflects something much deeper than personal rights. It's the mirror of, now again, this is speculation, but I think it's worthy of our consideration. They're angry because it's the mirror of a woman's fear of ending up alone. Not just by herself on too many Friday nights. No, alone, as in without the hope of a lasting give-and-take relationship with a man who cares what happens to her even after her body sags. By the way, Jimmy, do you recall that conversation we had about last week when uh, your spouse's body inevitably sags? uh Uh-huh. I received a number of emails from people saying there's other things in life that can happen to your spouse that radically change your spouse and the dynamic of your marriage. Illness hmm. and, 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 and disease. And then suddenly you're married in a dynamic that is different than the one you thought you were engaging yourself to. Exactly. Okay. How do we navigate those things? We care anyway. It's foolish to say, don't care about anything physical or external. Doesn't make any difference. And you're just selfish if that's how you. F-. That's wrong. But that's certainly not even close to being the primary reason we love our spouses. We love our spouses because we love our spouses. At least that's the way we're supposed to love them because we love because we've been loved. And God loves because he loves. You say, wait a second, you didn't really make sense. God loves because he loves. That's just what he is. I didn't say does. It's what he is. He doesn't love you and me because we're spanky, shiny little pennies that he loves to collect and show off. Nope. He loves us because we're tarnished. We are the pennies. Each one of us is a tarnished penny that was put on a train track and run over by an engine. And yet he loves. And that's how we're to love our spouses. I'm I'm not suggesting that it can't be lamentable. It can't even be mourned but that shouldn't rob you of your ability to love your spouse. Back to the article, abortion is what the woman sees as a necessity in order to have a man in her life on any terms. So the only way, according to this commentator, that a woman can actually have a guy is if she has the ability to, because if I'm going to be, if I'm going to have a guy, I got to sleep with him. So I I need to have abortion just in case you know. And it's been taken away. They're mad. The sexual revolution upended the way men and women relate to each other by placing desire, not responsibility, at the center of our interactions. We were told this is progress, but we're moving backwards. We're reverting to the old power dynamics of paganism. Go back and study the sexual ethics You pick your favorite empire if you want. And before Christendom invaded Western civilization, women and children didn't fare well. You could be abused any way that a man wanted to. Christianity came along, dignified women, children, intimacy, and now the world is reverting back to its old mores. And guess who's paying for it? Angry women. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000. with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with Preborn. Please consider supporting Preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched.
1: Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions, tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of his word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org.
2: Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. But now they've expanded to Africa, and the kids are swarming the tomorrow clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two. Would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched Tomorrowclubs.org slash
0: Revelation Is the Bible really God's Word, or is it just a collection of human ideas? Here are a few words the Bible uses to describe itself. Perfect, God-breathed, authoritative, without error, the Word of the living God. The Bible is God's inspired and trustworthy Word to humanity, through which He makes Himself known and continues to draw us to Himself. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: (sighs) Wait, is this... Is this an open door I'm supposed to walk through? This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, I oh, I think I think that a door, an opportunity to talk about something important has been opened up, but I'm not sure that it's God's will for me to walk through that door. What do you think I should do? Walk through the door, Todd. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just, just walk through the door. Just walk through the door. <laughs> and I was reading. I was reading an article today. Somebody's trying to put on a big crusade. I think in South Carolina, because they had put on a cru- several crusades. I think down in Africa. I, I don't know anything about the ministry, but they said something like, you know, the, the Lord had just closed a bunch of doors. Closed a bunch of doors. We just kept knocking. We just kept knocking. Okay, here's my question for the theologians that use doors to help us determine God's will for our life? If you want to do something, but it doesn't seem the opportunity is there, does that mean you're not supposed to do it? Well, you say, well, the door is closed. Well, these people, they kept knocking on the door. One finally opened. So see there, you just keep knocking. And then you walk through the door when God opens it. And I would ask, how do you know the door is opened up? And how do you know that that is God's will for your life? Well, uh, if it turns out really good or something good happens from it, and I say, well, what if something doesn't happen from it that is good? Will you be content? Will you be in God's will? Just heard, it just it just gave me a flashback. When I first got saved, I I I I, 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 I knew, I just, okay, I, I didn't know that isn't, I had a burning inside of me to tell other people. You don't understand Jesus died for you, that you can know that you can know God. Did you know that? And that the Christian life, it's not just something you visit, perhaps on a Sunday morning when you feel like it, as long as you got good brunch reservations afterwards. No, you just, wow, he becomes my life because he's he's it. There's nothing better. There's nothing more lovely than our God. Do you know him? And I and I wanted to know what to do, and I remember hearing sermons about God opening up a door and walking through it, and then inevitably, this is what you would hear. And I, I I I I think this is so dangerous. Let me tell you a story about a guy who decided to do this because he thought a door had opened up. Turned out amazing. Turned out that okay, I was I'm. I'm making something up here. A, 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 a guy feels like, Phew, I think the Lord just has opened up a door for us. We've, we've got a passport to get into an Islamic country where Christianity is outlawed and going to go take the wife and kids. And the guy gets his head chopped off. But that's not the type of anecdotes that are told. And it turns out that this wonderful thing happened, that wonderful thing happened, and the church was planted, and they ministered there for 50 years. And you, you get from that, okay, that means if I sense an open door and I walk through it, good things await and they use anecdotes to support that. Ufta, that's so dangerous, because for every story that is a positive anecdote, I probably could go find 50 that are negative. You know, I tried this, I thought the door was open, and the next thing I know, I get my car destroyed because I didn't walk, or I walked through a door, I shouldn't be going to, and you could find it, all kinds of calamities. And then how do you feel about it afterwards? Well, I guess it wasn't an open door. I wasn't in God's will for my life. Ah, uh, there's a better way. Here's how you, first of all, this is going to sound a little kooky. Right now, as we speak, you're in God's will. You say, but I'm living in rebellion at the moment. That's God's will for your life. Now, does he say that it's a good thing? No. But you wouldn't be doing that if he didn't ordain it. So in one sense, you can never be out of God's will for your life. But how do you strive to be in his will? Being in his will isn't knowing what he's thinking or planning. Being in his will is studying his word getting wise counsel from godly people, praying like a nobody's business for wisdom, considering one's preferences, making a decision, and that's God's will for your life. And then look at what happens if things turn out great. Praise God, Lord, you gave me wisdom to make that decision. Love you even more. And if it doesn't, Lord, you must have intended this for me, and it's for my good, and I know it full well. Thank you. Thank you for the calamity I, I I tried to do what was pleasing to you, and I tried to do what your will, your revealed will, tells me I'm supposed to do. If I biffed it, please teach me, because I want to do what is right according to your word. Then you can rest in that. So, Jimmy, yeah. I guess you didn't really open a door with your comment during the break. <laughs> but walk through it anyway, Todd. But but walk through it anyway. All right, here we go. Hey, Jimmy, what were you talking about? Uh, The the email thing that we got. On you can't the help it, can you? What? You're just, you're kind of hot on this subject. Uh, no. I, well, what happens when a spouse changes? Right. You get, when it gets old,
1: what do you do? And you said. I said uh, something else that I had thought about over the weekend, as I thought about the conversation we had was that, you know, marriage, is what marriage is uh, sanctification for us? It's mm-hmm. probably the biggest source of sanctification yeah. in our lives, and it's an opportunity. God uses those changes as opportunities for us to grow and get better. Mm-hmm. And and so thinking about this particular situation and email that we got, there it's so much of an opportunity for this husband to grow and get
2: better. Yeah, uh, in, in all of us, right? Well, leave it. Leave it from from that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All of we all have to deal with this. Yeah nobody escapes this thing called aging. Nobody. It's going to happen to your spouse. It's going to happen to you, by the way, which is really the fascinating thing. This just, it always gets me when I see these guys who are about 55, 60 years old in their in their convertible Corvette driving around with some younger woman. Really, dude? You, you, you need that, but your wife is okay with you? I mean... Well, you know, she's gained weight, and you haven't. I mean, seriously? Well, you know, she's kind of sagging, and you're not, honestly, so delusional about ourselves, and yet we see our spouse changing, or a difficulty comes along, or a a woman is going through a battle for her life. How do you how do you react to that? How do you stay in the game and not just stay in the game but shine? And I would tell you the answer is the gospel. When you think about the the extraordinary news that Jesus Christ didn't die for good people. He died for totally depraved, wicked, vile rebels. That's what makes the gospel so amazing. Now you've you've probably heard these stories before. Uh, and we both both ways, by the way, male to female, female to male. Uh, um, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking of one where the, they, the, they were engaged and the guy got into a car accident and she said, and he was like, like lost use of some limbs and certainly mobility and maybe couldn't even communicate that well. I promised to marry him, so I'm going to marry him. Whoa, we're staggered by those stories. And that's what you can do. If you are in a marriage with somebody who appears less than what you think is the ideal, isn't altogether lovely, and you keep loving, you're acting like God. And consider the growth that is going to come from this. I think think this works. James chapter 1, he says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now you think that through, you flip the lens and you go, okay, that means when I'm not getting angry, that means I'm producing the righteousness of God. I'm acting more righteously. I'm acting more, and I actually become that. Ditto when it comes to you acting like God in loving somebody who is perhaps not physically attractive or who has been debilitated or who has lost a body part that you love. It's going to grow you, and the world is going to look at that and go, that's an awesome love. And it's an opportunity for you to say, yeah, you think that's incredible? Let me tell you how God loved me. That's that's why marriage is theological. Luther said it right. It is indeed a school of character. It is a school that can have so many fruits that are available to you and here's the here's the kicker here's the here's the real kicker when you start loving on that level when the external attractiveness isn't like the thing as much or even potentially at all anymore and you love i guarantee I'm telling you you'll have a more profound deeper relationship than anything you've ever experienced in your life when you are loving simply because you love because you have been loved and the person responds to that and we have every hope to believe that they would respond to that and even if they don't. The world looks into your window, sees you being kind and giving and good when it appears you're not getting certain things in return. Lo and behold, you are a testimony and you are being a God glorifier that is well-pleasing to the Lord hopefully it was worth walking through that door. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.